0: Uh, this is our special bonus episode of King of Pro Wrestling. We wanted to talk a little bit about the Andre the Giant documentary uh, that aired on HBO uh, and also uh, segue nicely into our interview with Pat LaPrade, who not only uh, was the field producer and appeared on screen in the, inter, uh, in the uh, documentary, uh, but he's also writing what is sure to be the definitive biography of Andre the Giant due out in 2020. Uh, he's also written a few other books, um, which we do talk about in the course of the interview, Um, great guy and really lucky to have him
1: Um, Paul couldn't be there for that one I'm so jealous
2: so
1: Um, so jealous I mean I wasn't I wasn't able to book a flight to Chicago just (laughs) for the interview I'm sorry
0: but uh, I uh, I attended uh, Shimmer weekend uh, Shimmer which is uh, the you know arguably the largest and, and most important uh, independent women's wrestling company in the United States uh, and and genuinely is probably responsible for a great deal of what you're seeing uh, these days in WWE because so much of the talent went through those doors including like Paige and Becky Lynch and you know Oscar etc they all worked at Shimmer before they got there um, and it's always a fun time I have a great time there and Pat Laprode has been going uh, for for years as well uh, He wrote a book uh, about it which you'll hear about in the- the interview and so it's always great to i've talked with him a few times and it was really great to kind of catch up and do the interview um but paul before we get into that let's talk briefly uh about the documentary i mean you've seen it by
1: now right uh yeah i actually watched it twice <laughs>
0: yeah same here cause I, I,
1: I watched it uh the night it came out and then i watched it later i think it was the next day or the day after with my son because for two reasons a i didn't know exactly what was going to be in the documentary so i wanted to watch it first sure and uh, two, it was just on at ten o'clock at night, which is too late for him on a school night. But right. um, I thought the documentary was great. I mean, it's you watch it and you realize like what a tragic figure in a way, how horrible it must have been to have his life, and basically in a world that's not designed for you. Like yeah. I guess the best way they said it was imagining trying to live your life on dollhouse like furniture. Yeah, like you know, and it's just it was you know you get a whole new insight into andre too like he seemed like he was a good person like but like like we were talking about in the regular episode like he was very generous when he would go to a territory even if he was going to go over to make sure the other guy looked good and got his moves in and and they do speak about that in the documentary so it's not like something i have to ramble about um the one thing i will say is it was maybe the day after the second time I watched it, um, I was driving around in at work in the truck, and a lot of times I'll just have ESPN radio on. And um, Bill Simmons, who was one of the producers of the documentary, was yeah. on speaking Wait. about it on the Dan Le show. And um, there was things like, and if you go on YouTube, there's there's scenes that were filmed and cut out for time reasons or whatnot. But like there was things that they were talking about in the radio that they didn't feel appropriate to put in the documentary, and it was nothing salacious or anything. But, like, just an example, and, and I, they didn't put it in because it was gross, and I'll uh, put this in delicately, like, and it ties into our podcast. Like, one of the problems Andre had in Japan is bathrooms.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: he would get hotels, and a lot of times he couldn't even fit into the bathroom. Yeah. Um Which led to a very, uh, you know, a, a, well, led to a problem when he had to go to the bathroom, and I'm not talking about number one. <laughs> and they said like he was humiliated a lot because the only thing they could do was he would actually just have to go to the bathroom in a comforter, and then room service would have, like the house like the cleaning service had to take it because there was no other way for him to go. And you get to a point where when you got to go, you got to go. Yeah, and and it was things like that. Like they they you know for time constraints they had to cut some stuff out. And and Bill Simmons said it's not that it was people don't know the story, but they didn't want to. You know like try to humiliate the man Further I know he's passed but his legacy like No human being should have to do that
0: no, no. I mean, there's stories about him, you know, even like backstage uh, shows and stuff like that where they, you know, they'd have to bring him a bucket to use because, again, you know, they couldn't fit into the stalls or whatever. And,
1: you know, I, I mean, well, like when he would take an airplane, if he was going to Japan, he'd have to like not eat and take laxatives for days. So he would have to go to the bathroom. And I remember there was a story once I read that somebody played a joke on him and gave him something before he got in the flight that would make him have to go. And I guess it was a humiliating experience, and people were with him said he cried. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, you, you think about, like, this glamorous lifestyle. He was a star, and people all over the, new, the world knew him. But, I mean, it's got to be hard when you live your life like that. I mean, everywhere you go, people are looking at you. You're a freak. But it's the things that we don't th- talk about. Like, he couldn't get a hotel worth the bed that could fit him, no matter where he went. Yeah. So it's, it's stuff like that. And I thought the documentary did a really, really good job of showing you the good and the bad that was associated with Andre's career. And I thought one of the things, too, was it's one of the very few times where I think if you watch it all the way to the end, you see Vince McMahon genuinely genuinely emotional. Um, Not only because he seemed to love Andre, but I guess they had a falling out towards the end because Andre felt like he used him to wrestle. And and Vince does talk about that. I mean, it's just... I mean, it was just well done. I don't know what more they could have put in there. You know what I mean? Well, look, here's the thing. I, I, I think that anyone, um,
0: and again, it's something that, that Pat and I haven't touch on, I think that anyone expecting this to be... You know, exhaustive and authoritative. You know, that's you're not necessarily going to get that. That's not what this was about. It was more about. It's not. You know, it's different from when you set out to basically have a, a chronicle of a man's life. This was instead more to tell you about the human being. And so, you know, it's not going to be every single story or every single life No, and or every I mean, how much territory. can
1: you get into an hour and forty minute time? Well, and that's too. the other
0: thing too. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's an hour and forty minutes. I mean, they were making a film, and I think. It's as far as documentary filmmaking goes, it's fantastic. And I echo the comments of of people like Brian Alvarez, um, you know, saying that he, he hopes that they, you know, make more of of these types of documentaries about other figures in professional wrestling, because it was just so well done. And I think that there was a lot.
1: We've talked about it too. Like um was it HBO that was was talking about doing the movie about Sputnik Monroe's life?
0: Yeah, Sputnik Monroe's life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I there's think so that many stories
1: that they could do, you know. But back
0: to the Andre doc, you know, I, I think that there were just yeah some wonderful stories. Uh, that that early footage, man, of seeing him training, you know, when he was super young, was just fantastic. You know, seeing where he grew up. I mean, that location shooting in France was beautiful. Getting to hear from his family mm-hmm. was fantastic. I thought that there was just uh, yeah, it's so well done. And, and we're not saying anything that other people haven't said before and no. there's no reason to go on and on about it but it's oh, I wonderful
1: say I'm sorry go ahead
0: it's it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful documentary it's well worth your time i mean andre in addition you know to, to all these things that we say about i mean andre was really he truly was a gentle soul in a lot of ways and yeah he had his dark side you know if he drank too much or something like that and there's plenty there's of stories out him there off, but i mean he's a right. human
1: being he's not you know
0: exactly but and he, he was, was in he was pain
1: a, a lot too he,
0: he was but he was such a gentle nice person um i don't even know if you know this pj but um my mom uh, lived in Minneapolis for a while uh, after she graduated high school, and she worked at a bar. She was a waitress at a bar there, and it just so happened to be uh, a bar that a lot of the wrestlers went to uh, after the shows, a, a, uh, AWA wrestlers went to, and uh, for whatever reason, the two guys that, that always would come in and, and that she would always get their table was Andre the Giant and Bobby the Brain Heenan, and uh, Andre the Giant you know, would bring her flowers and was just very sweet and very nice. Um, and, and, you know, and, and she, she had some stories about, about just, again, just about his kindness and about the fact that they would get there at, you know, at 11 o'clock at night and they'd be there until, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. And he'd have gone through, you know, 50, 60 beers in that time. Um, but, but, you know, he's just, again, everything that you hear about him and, and, you know, again, my mom's story about him was just that he was, he was, he was very nice, very gentle. Um, and, you know, had a smile that, that, that was, that was infectious. It's like if Andre smiled, everybody in the room had to smile.
1: Um, so, um, yeah, yeah it's crazy. I mean, the last thing I'm going to say, and then before we get to the interview is, um, just basically you know if you're listening to our podcast there's a pretty good chance you have a subscription into Japan world and there is some Andre stuff on there you can find um, but if you if you have a subscription to wWE network um, they do they did a really nice job they put it in the, under the collections they put together an Andre collection and it's not just all uh, matches. There's some stuff on there from the the old Tuesday Night Titan show where he's going to sing a song, and it's hilarious. Like, it just shows the not only the size of the man but the size of his personality. So, I mean, and if you're already paying for these services, you might as well. There, a lot of the stuff on the WWE Network is, is nice little companion stuff that went along with the documentary because the WWE was involved to a, a certain degree in the, with the documentary. So a lot of stuff they put out shows some of the stuff that they were talking about
0: yeah so, Well that's definitely worth noting is that Bill Simmons wanted to do the documentary Vince was hesitant to be involved with it uh the you know the using the wWE footage etc uh eventually you know he he was like yeah okay this is you know I, I I see what you're trying to do here and I want to be a part of it um and so you know I mean obviously Vince had to do something that he probably doesn't like to do very much which is give up control um because he's this is not you know it's not w e w you're talking about
1: a man who doesn't like to sneeze because he can't control it right uh, but i'm glad they did because it was so well done and and it's nice in a way like i think it's better that it was done outside of the wwe's control in a way yeah oh for sure it's not at the very well, least, even if they pumped out the same documentary, nobody yeah. can try to claim that they sugarcoated anything or they presented what they wanted to. It was, and, you know. and
0: that's one of the things that Meltzer and, and Alvarez even spoke about was the fact that you know that the, the the documentary benefits from that, and that's one of the reasons I think why you know he wanted to see more stuff like this because it wasn't the the stories that you're getting from WWE, which you know I mean let's face it, they they've told some good stories and they've put out some some good documentaries, but you're also getting their version uh, of the events. So. You know, I, I, think that, I think that there's, there's value uh, uh, in, in those outside sources being able to come in. But Vince, obviously, he felt like he got burned by, like, wrestling with shadows and, and beyond the mat. So I can understand why he didn't want to do it. Anyway, point is, it's it's great, uh, it's well worth your time, and we certainly hope you enjoy our interview with Pat Leprod, um and and enjoy this bonus episode. Uh, please, you know, feel free to, to shoot us your comments, if you've got any Andre stories or anything like that, we're always happy to share stuff uh, on later episodes, and, um, you know, like PJ's saying, check out some of the stuff on New Japan World, because there's some great matches with Andre on there, and there's some great footage on, on WWE Network as well, from the territories, and, you know, other bits like the Tuesday Night Titan stuff,
1: and and i just you know before i go i just want to again thank pat for sitting down to the interview with us and uh you know thank you to all our listeners for for listening you know it's we just put out a regular episode and now a bonus episode so those who stuck with us we appreciate it
0: yeah absolutely uh and uh i'll be back with a couple more comments right after the interview wraps up uh but again thanks so much to pat la and uh, we hope you enjoy all right thanks
2: 90
0: in Vegas. Hello, fans. This is Sam, and I am here with Pat LaPrade, uh, co-author of uh, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle and uh, the biography of Mad Dog Bashan, as well as, help me get the title right, Mad Dogs, Midgets, and Screwjobs. That's exactly it. Excellent. I got it. Uh, and also uh, writing the upcoming Andre the Giant biography. Yep. did you say we hope to be out in 2020? It will be out in 2020, early 2020. Yeah. Awesome. And recently featured in the Andre documentary on HBO. yeah.
2: yeah very proud of that actually it's been uh, uh i was a field producer on the documentary as nice. well as being interviewed in it uh you know more for the uh early uh part of andre's career and life and also his time in montreal of course right uh i went to france with the team to interview the family over there and uh, nice. and 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 if you see it you'll see we interviewed also the uh um uh, the uh, hotel uh, doorman who yeah. was there the night that uh, the morning that Andre actually you know they found him uh, dead in his uh, in his in his hotel room so uh, yeah it was, it was quite the experience and uh, it was very fun to actually be able to uh, to talk with the family as well you know so yeah. great great experience on my part uh, very very proud of how it uh, uh, you know how it was it How it was you know you uh, uh, directed by jason uh, jason here uh, who did a tremendous job and yeah. uh, i'm receiving a lot of comments over the weekend and since uh since the showing on the, the premiere on the on tuesday last tuesday and i mean it's just you know great comments uh across the board so very very happy very proud to be part of this yeah well i
0: mean i for my part i have to say i, I thought you did a wonderful job uh okay. you know within the documentary itself and then I, I was I was a huge fan of, of the documentary. I, I, I've already watched it twice. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, but, I, I yeah, I, I thought that a lot of the details, especially about his early life and some of the stuff in Montreal, was fascinating to me because I know, obviously, I know Andre mostly from the North American stuff, yep. you know, um, and, like, especially with the network now, seeing some of the stuff they did in, like, Mid-South, which when I was a kid I didn't get the opportunity to see. So seeing, you know, the, the other stuff was great. Now, one of the things about the documentary that I did notice, there wasn't a lot of stuff... On Japan, no, um, in the documentary. Um, do you want to talk a little bit
2: about Andre in Japan? And yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, the thing why, why, the, the way the way Jason, uh, the director Jason here, uh, explain on other uh, on other uh, radio shows or podcasts why there was not nothing more than that on Japan was. Ander was such a different character in Japan. You know, he was Monster Rusimov. Uh, he started there in January of 1970, working for IWE at the time. Uh, and uh, he was doing, it was basically like tournaments they were doing at the time, a small, like two or three week uh, tour a month, maybe. Uh, he did two tours in Japan before coming uh, over to North America. Uh, and Montreal was the first uh, city, actually, the first territory that he actually worked. Uh, in North America, so uh, and it was in uh, it was in June of uh, 1971. So he did two tours in Japan before that, and he was a heel over there. People yeah. people talk people think that you know Andre first started being a heel, uh, you know, in January of 1987 before WrestleMania 3, which was not the case. He was a heel long before that in Japan as Monster Rushma. Russo uh, is, you know, which is his last name. Yeah, and um, and yeah, so so it, it was just not fitting into the story that 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 you know Jason was trying to tell with the documentary because it was such a different character and he needed to he would have needed to speak with more people from Japan, from his career there, and it was so different than here, that it kind of didn't fit into the story the storyline he was trying to tell which is, I mean, it's an 86 minute documentary, you cannot go in depth on everything about someone's life or career, you know, obviously so, uh, but nevertheless the documentary is great even without much of his Japan days, Uh, I know this this is one of the comments that I've read online about, you know, you know, wishes that people would have had, you know, would have liked if, if we, you know, documentary would talk more about his time in Japan. Sure. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But uh, still, I mean, Andrew was a huge, huge star in Japan over the the, 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 you know, by the end of his career. Yeah. Uh, he actually wrestled his last match in Japan. Um, then with All Japan, teaming with uh, mostly teaming with Giant Baba. Yeah, he did work also for New Japan, so he really did it all in Japan. He worked for all of the big three promotion from the seventies up until now, which is IWE, New Japan, and All Japan at different times. Obviously, yeah. Uh, never had that big match with Baba, which is maybe one thing that you know one Giant that he didn't that he didn't wrestle against. You know, he right. wrestled against Kowalski, Don Leo, Jonathan. Killer Khan, Big John Studd, Hogan, everybody, but Giant Baba, you know. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to even because even I, you know, know about the, the general stuff of Andre in Japan. Sure, but I really need to dig even more for the book I'm, I'm co I'm co-writing uh, with uh, Bertrand Bert, who, mm-hmm. who did the other books with me, the Montreal book the Mad Dog book as well. So and he, he also he, uh, he, uh, he, re- he wrote uh, accepted the biography of right, Pat Patterson yeah which is so, a great book. yeah exactly yeah. so so that's uh, that's my partner in that project and I mean um, uh, so Andre uh, even even I will need to dig up a, a little more on, on Andre's career in Japan because it was such a different. Uh, It was such a different character there that, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to read even more, to be able to really tell the whole story of of Andre in Japan and how important he was was over there, you know?
0: Well, I think that one of the things, you know, especially being uh, a New Japan-focused podcast, uh, obviously his battles with Inoki, especially early on, I think are fairly remarkable because he was one of the few guys to be able... To you know, to get wins on Anoki, the fascinating thing is, is, on the flip side, Anoki got a couple of wins against Andre. Which, while not as unheard of as
2: WWE would have you believe, yeah, but um, <laughs> Andre, Andre was jobbing even in uh, before coming to North America. Right? He, he wrestled uh, one of the first territories he did outside of France uh, was uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. The UK scene in 1969. And and he, he 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 lost a few matches there. Yeah. So uh, I mean I mean it wasn't his first loss. Obviously his first loss then didn't, didn't came in North America. So so I mean uh, so so you know Andre was. What you need to understand is Andre just wanted to be one of the boys. Mm. He 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 was con- you know he was considering himself just as a, a, a wrestler. You know yeah. and, and and at one point promoters. Um, needed to sit down with Andre and say, "Hey, you know what? You you, you cannot job anymore. You cannot you cannot get slammed anymore. Yeah. Um. Because when Andre started, he was doing a much more athletic s- style. Yeah. Than 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 people remember uh, him for. I've seen some of his drop kicks early on. His drop like kicks, kicks were like, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was he was uh, he was great. It was like close to seven feet, three hundred and fifty pounds. That was like, that was a lean, tall guy, yeah. you know, like, like any lean basketball guys, I guess, you know. And he was much more athletic. So, so uh, and, and you can find footage of him that lean, you know, on, right. on YouTube and stuff. So, it's, it, it's it's really like a, a different time, you know. And, and, and But soon, you know, when he came to Montreal in 71, he had already started to gain weight. And and by the mid-70s, he was in the lean Andre we've seen in France or in England or, you know, in his early days in Japan, you yeah. know, so. He, um, w- one of the things that fascinated me, too, about the documentary was some of that early footage, like some of that
0: early training footage. Yeah. Um, did you have anything to do with, like, them tracking that down, or was that readily available before? Because i have never seen it.
2: It was, no, the, the team found it. What I did with it is translated what, what Andre was saying, and because he was getting interviewed there, so... I was translating what what, what, uh, what they were saying, yeah. uh, but I didn't find those footage, though. So, no. Okay, okay. Um, so, let's talk a little bit again, because
0: we, I should mention, we're here at uh, Shimmer Weekend in Darwin, yeah. Illinois. Uh, let's talk a little bit about women's wrestling. Um, obviously, the book, the Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, I loved it. I, I uh, told you this, I bought it um, last July when you had it here, and actually read it on my honeymoon.
2: <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm still so, <laughs> so surprised you're still Marie, yeah, man, yeah, you know, yeah. so... Yeah. <laughs> It was your know, only poolside reading. Yeah, I didn't do uh, it at any other time. Props to your wife. <laughs> um, but I'm curious: is there anything in particular that drew you to women's wrestling? I, I started being involved in Montreal on the women's scene uh, back in 2007 with a promotion called ALF, which you know basically means uh, uh, Female Wrestling Association, uh, and uh, it was uh, it was the very first uh, female wrestling association, all women's promotion in Montreal. Uh, Lufisto was involved in there as well. Uh, I didn't last that long with them at the time, but uh, two years later, of of that promotion uh, came Femme Fatale, uh, which was basically uh, managed by Lufisto and Stéphane Briere, who's uh, who's one of the uh, agents here at Shimmer, assisting Dave Prezac and i started becoming uh, more involved with them uh, first as a backstage interviewer then a ring announcer and i started making the trips to uh, shimmer with them and I, I mean i don't know it's it's a product that always uh, uh, amazed me in some ways cuz you know it was so different than what we're seeing from from guys you know and and what WWE was... You know, you could see great wrestling in WWE. You could see great wrestling on indie level. But at the time, you couldn't see great wrestling in WWE. There were very few of them. They were not showcased to be to be, to be be great, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they weren't in book to be... I mean, they were like the Natalias and Beth Phoenix, and those girls could... Could could go, but they were not booked in in in, in those cir- circumstances. Right. So so to see what Shimmer could actually bring to the table as far as women's scene, it was just amazing to see just a full show of great women's wrestling. And I was just in, in, in struck by that. And uh, so I you know started to come to pretty much every Shimmer tapings. And um, Dan Murphy, who's writing for the Pro Wrestling Australia, who does the uh, PWI 500 and the Top Female 50 every year, yeah. uh, he's not here this weekend, but usually he's, he's here, right? So one, uh, one day we're here at a Shimmer just, you know, talking, and I just told Dan, hey, you know what? You know, maybe a book on women's wrestling should be a big idea. You know, would, be, would you be willing to, uh, to do that with me? Because Bertrand was working on the Pat Patterson book, So I was looking, you know, for a project for myself. He goes, yeah, that would be a heck of an idea. So we proposed it to uh, ECW Press, uh, who published my other books. They were like so so happy to, uh, to to hear that so uh, they, they signed us and it uh, came up the book in, uh, came up with the book in April of 2017 and we got great comments of it we're covering from the early 1900s up until today both the indie scene WWE everything in between and uh, yeah I mean if you guys want to look it up it's on it's on Amazon it's on uh, it's on pretty much every, every platform where you can buy books Candle everything yeah. so, So, uh... It's, it's uh, I think, you know, it's something that wasn't done before and needed to be done, and obviously the timing was good, too, you know, because of that whole, uh, you know, uh, resurgence of, of, you know, women's wrestling in right. the WWE, which affect the indie scene as well in a positive way. Absolutely. So, so it was the right timing to do a project like that, and I'm very happy with the end result as well. Yeah, it's incredibly
0: comprehensive, and I, I love that, you know, the, the the way that you cover the early days in particular, talking a lot about the politics of, of you know, what women had to go through in order to to get yeah. featured on a card and how some states they couldn't wrestle at all because it was, wasn't was allowed by yeah. the
2: Athletic Commission. If, if you want to hear, if you want to read uh, the, the weirdest stories ever, read about Billy Wolf and Mildred Berg yes. back in the 40s and 50s, you won't believe your eyes. You know, there was craziness out there. Billy Wolf was dating pretty much half of his roster. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't see that today. You know, I mean... No. Uh, uh so, so I mean it's it's crazy stories and and we we I think we, we even covered Japan you yeah. know and covered mexico and covered uh, australia which is uh which is coming really uh especially uh the last uh, the last years you know, and as a, as a big uh territory as far as women's wrestling goes yeah. so I mean we tried to cover you know pretty much everything we could within uh within the confine of 400 pages you sure, know sure. uh but uh, yeah I mean it's it's I think it's a great read for any any women's wrestling fan any yeah. wrestling fan in, in general
0: exactly i agree anybody that you know is interested in the history of, of professional wrestling at all I, I think that this is something that is is a gap in a lot of people's knowledge so I, I think it's worth checking out even if you don't find yourself drawn to women's wrestling and in spite of you know you say it was published in april of 2017 it still feels very current very oh yeah. today yeah um so it's yeah it, it's, it's we we,
2: we we call that ronda rousey would be in the wwe ring uh, a year and a half before it actually happened, so we're kind of proud of that. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, and you know what? And I learned so much, especially you mentioned the Japanese stuff. I me- I learned so much. Uh, and you really go into detail about how they were seen as pop culture stars, uh, which is fascinating because that's very different with the yeah. exception of a few, like, male wrestlers. Um, well, Pat, thank you so very much. I really, really appreciate, you know, you giving me your time today. I My know pleasure. it's a busy day, busy weekend for everybody. <laughs> um, but if, yeah.
2: If, if people want to... Uh, uh, add me on on social medias i'm pat laprade p-a-t laprade it's l-a-p-r-a-d-e it's on the same name on facebook twitter instagram uh follow me add me uh on, on these uh, social medias and i'll be uh, more than uh, happy to uh, talk some wrestling with you fans that's awesome thanks again pat really no problem it. thanks to you man
0: all right, ladies and gentlemen. So there you have it, uh, our interview with Pat LaProd. Uh, again, thank you so much, Pat. I'm, I mean, really, I'm just extremely grateful that you took some time out. Uh, I should note um, that we were literally standing at the merchandise tables at the Berwyn Eagles Club uh, while, you know, patrons were coming in and finding their seats uh, getting ready for the shimmer tapings that day they taped volumes 103 and 104 Um, uh, you know it was it was a great time you know we always have a lot of fun at those tapings Uh, and you know again Pat I'm just grateful that you took the time out to do that uh, interview with us and we certainly hope you enjoy what he had to say, uh, talking about Andre and um, uh, you know other assorted subjects. Uh, check Pat out on Twitter. Um, you know it's a, it's an easy way to get in touch with him. He's very interactive on there. Um, he, you know he's I, I see him answering and talking to fans all the time. Uh, Bilingually, I might add. Uh, you know he's he's you know. In there, obviously, native French speaker, uh, so you're going to get some some French uh, now and again. uh, But you're also, you know, again, he speaks English very well, as you can hear from the podcast. Um, But, yeah, his Twitter is just at Pat LaPrade. That's P-A-T-L-A-P-R-A-D-E. Um, and also make sure, you know, you're checking out, uh, his books again, sisterhood of the squared circle is probably one of the finest. Well, I mean, it's pretty much the only, uh, exhaustive comprehensive, uh, book on women's wrestling. And again, it's not just North America. If you enjoy Joshi, uh, wrestling, there's, there's plenty to learn about all Japan women's wrestling in there. And just, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic book. I, I love it. I've read it twice. Um, I'm currently reading his Mad Dog Vachon, uh, biography, and, again, wonderful endorsement of that. The man has such an interesting life story. Uh, Pat and I were even talking, I believe, off mic, about, um, the fact that, like, he, he had such an interesting life outside of wrestling, that it's not one of those biographies that you read in years, like, oh, I'm waiting to get to the good stuff, it's just good right away. Uh, and then, of course, um... Mad Dogs, Midgets, and Screwjobs, which is the story of Montreal wrestling. Uh, I've unfortunately not had the opportunity to read it, but I am so looking forward to it. Um, And then be on the lookout for the Andre the Giant biography coming in 2020. Really looking forward to that. I have no doubt that Pat's going to do an incredible job on that one. Um, And it will definitely be worth reading. Um, You know, we talked about the documentary at the top of the show and about how obviously it wasn't going to be as comprehensive uh, as potentially a biography could be but I think Pat's is going to be very comprehensive so uh, again just in closing thanks so much to Pat thank you so much for taking the time to listen if you have any questions or comments please hit us up on twitter at KOPW72 or of course you can send us an email at kingofprowrestling72 at gmail.com we're also active on reddit usually I'm on there under my handle which is Tiger Samurai um but we we love interacting with the listeners uh, again we're all about this sort of the fan network of which we consider ourselves members we're not trying to place ourselves outside of that at all um but uh, we hope to have the opportunity to conduct more interviews and certainly uh, I, I'm eager for the next time I get a chance to to chat with Pat cuz I think we can have uh, Uh, more great dialogue. So uh, anyways, thanks again. And uh, we are going to wrap up this bonus episode of the King of Pro Wrestling podcast. We've certainly got some more stuff coming your way soon. Uh, We'll be back with more Road to Dantaku results for New Japan Pro Wrestling on our next official episode, which will be episode four. Uh, I've also got a bonus episode that I'm coming up with uh, on my own, um, which is going to be uh, just a quick little recap uh, of Shimmer Weekend and uh, an interview with the ballsy badass Shotzi Blackheart, so uh, not New Japan wrestling, uh, pro wrestling related, but I, I have a feeling that um, you know some of our listeners will, will easily enjoy that, and uh, hopefully we'll get some new ears uh, on us as well. So again, thank you so very much, everyone. Take care. Until next time, we're gonna go home.